to the surprise of nobody, we talked about the Terry Francona era with Zach Meisel. We had a lot more to talk about, including who the next manager of the Guardian is going to be. So Zach was kind enough to give us an hour of his time to be on two shows this week to talk about who the next manager might be for the Guardians and what that might look like. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Locked on Guardians. As you can see, Jeff is off again today, but Zach Meisel, again, kind enough to join us to talk more about the Guardians' future manager. Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with personal supply of five antibiotics and treat 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, Zach. uh, Looks like the Guardians' candidate list was pretty high at the start and now you know they say it's it's been whittled down since but how how taken aback were you at first and you're like whoa they have a list of, of 45 i know you guys made some good points on the selvius godcast this week and again you should be listening to selvius godcast because i said in yesterday's episode the cost of a beer is more expensive than uh joining the selvius godcast and so make sure you're taking advantage of, of free money and good content but uh were you taken aback at all when you heard them say like oh the list is going to be 45, 48 people or something. I was until someone made the point to me that this is the same organization that had 1,100 names in contention to replace Indians. So, I, yeah, then that made me think, okay, well, I remember Walleye was one of my favorite picks, and I could never figure out if I was being serious about that or not. And then I, and it made it pretty far. Um, in their process. So then I was thinking, who's the walleye of managerial candidates? Like someone who might seem like a joke if their name popped up on the list, but they're actually kind of considering them. I don't know. 45 is a lot, but they also haven't been through this in a long time because Terry Francona, that like that wasn't a process. That was, all right, Sandy Alomar filled in for Manny Acta and we like him and he's... Um, a reputable guy and oh wait terry francona's interested okay we're done here that was pretty much it um so you really have to go back to when they hired manny acta and that was after the 2009 season and it was like manny acta and bobby valentine and i think maybe they reached out to don mattingly because chris antonetti loved don mattingly as a kid but don mattingly wasn't interested at the time like it was it was a very random widespread list. So it kind of makes sense. I was going to say, I think Bobby Valentine would have been the walleye of the list. Back in <laughs> 2009, he'd probably still be the walleye of the list today if they mentioned him as a candidate. Um, yeah. I, all right, you guys talk. Gave, I, I vaguely, sorry, I vaguely recall he gave like a press conference and didn't know anything about the team. <laughs> and, and he was a finalist. Um and I just remember it being bizarre. And then the fact that he went and replaced Francona in Boston and was a train wreck, fired after one season, and then Francona landed in Cleveland. It was a very weird full circle thing. That is really odd now that you mentioned it. Has, has a guy who's ever man- or you know interviewed for a managerial job given a press conference after that, even though 
he wasn't officially hired. Has that ever happened anywhere else? I can't even think of another example of that. No, and I hope we don't have 45 of them in Cleveland this this offseason. You've got other plans. Obviously, you don't want to sit around for for 45 of those. Um, I know a lot of people keep wanting to ask about the whole Sandy Alomar thing, and I feel like everywhere you looked, you know, there was you or, or somebody else in the beat, kind of – it kind of felt like everyone was kind of putting it out there that Sandy Elmar probably doesn't want to be the guy, but people don't seem to understand why. And I feel like after he got, I don't want to say pushed aside, but obviously you said, oh, Terry Francona is interested. So the, the search stops here. And I don't know if there's another Francona candidate out there, but it's, it is kind of bizarre that Sandy Elmar has stopped interviewing, but I'm, I'm assuming there's a reason for that. And like I said, you guys all kind of pointed out that it felt like Alomar never wanted to be, in this upcoming search. Yeah, it's hard. Like, cause like, I don't want to speak for him and I don't, he didn't really want to talk about it as this season was going on. I do know. I think he was pretty turned off by making it far in the managerial interview process for a lot of other teams and never getting the job and kind of felt like he was, he had deserved it. He, he did. I mean, he had be put in a lot of time. He was a really good candidate who has such vast experience is so, I mean, he's so good at what he does. Right. And, and you see it on the field. You see the way he helps the catchers defensively. You see the way this team is able to steal bases and everybody credits him picking the perfect time to do it. And um, just things like that, that, you know, maybe aren't a huge part of the managerial experience, but speak to how he can make a difference. And so I think there was some frustration over the years, just never getting that job. Um, He got the experience filling in for Francona in 2020. And I, I know I had one conversation with him at some point, maybe after that, where he said, basically just, you reach a point in your life. I don't remember how old he, like, I think he's in his upper fifties. Now you reach a point in your life where you're just content. And if he knows he can come back and be the first base coach and not have the stresses and have to have your hand in everything, like the manager has to have their hand in, then I think he's just, he's content. And I kind of respect that um, because it's, you know, he might interview for the job again and get dragged along to the finish line and not get the job. And then do you want to come back as the first base coach? Like that would be pretty frustrating to get passed over again, to get passed over by Cleveland again, and then to have to be on the staff if they invite you back. And I don't know, it could get messy. So I don't know if all of that has played into it. I don't know if he's considered all of those things, but um, certainly wasn't surprising when we learned officially that he wasn't going to interview. Yeah, that would be awkward. I mean, and Chris Antonetti, you know, said at the final press conference that he will be part of the organization going forward, but he did kind of stop short of committing to coaching staff because it'll be up to whoever the new manager is, but it would be so strange. But I mean, it would be strange to have not have Sandy Alomar out there doing this. And like you said, he brings so much to the table, but it's unprecedented for a coach to last through three regimes of coaches. You know, he was here with Manny Acta, he's here with Tito and, and, for a new manager to come in and say, okay, you'll be part of the staff. So Chris Anthony, you know, alluded to, he'll be part of the organization going forward, but he stopped short of saying what his role will be next year. And I, I felt like he didn't want to be boxed into that, obviously. 
That's yeah, weird because I also asked, like, are all the coaches just sitting at home right now in limbo, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the phone to call? Because um, that's what usually happens. You, you get a new manager and then the manager has input on who he wants on his staff. Maybe the front office has some ideas and you reach a happy medium. And I think that's how you got the current staff, right? I mean, Sarbaugh was managing in the minor leagues and then he joined the staff. You had Francona brought in Brad Mills. Sandy Almar was part of Manny Axis staff, joined Francona's staff. Um, you know, when, when Brad Mills retires, Francona goes out and gets to Marlo Hale, who was this guy in Boston for a long time. So like, there's a lot of, there's some of both. So to say that they want to have the manager decided and then figure out the staff, but also to say that, oh yeah, Sandy Almar will be part of this operation. It does leave me scratching my head a little bit as to who's, who's making the calls, who's deciding what. That sure is going to be interesting, especially since they didn't go as far to guarantee anybody else's future in terms of the organization. I mean, they went out of their way to hire Chris Valeka and he's in here for two years and they make the playoffs the one year. And then of course people are unhappy with how the offense went. I mean, I don't think anybody happy with how the offense went last year, but you know, that's the one guy who came in here has been here two years with Frank Cohn and now, you know, he's up in limbo, but they didn't guarantee anybody else's future in the organization. So I guess that speaks to how they do view Sandy, but also it would just be unprecedented to, a force a coach on a new manager, but also for one coach to survive three managers. Just that doesn't happen anywhere else. No, it reminded me of the show 24. And I can't remember the guy's name, but there was like one chief of staff who was chief of staff through like, because the presidents were killed off like every season of that show. And there was one chief of staff who was like survived three different regimes. And that's what, that's how I see Sandy Alomar. He's just, it doesn't, it, it, we're, there's going to be like a nuclear fallout and it will be Twinkies, cockroaches, and Sandy Alomar coaching first base in Cleveland. That's what will survive. That's kind of high view Carl Spierga too. I know he's not a coach, but I feel like Carl Spierga, at any event the team is doing, whether it's at a different ballpark or any sort of charity thing, Carl Spierga is always there. Like you want him to represent the Guardians, Cleveland, he always shows up. I feel like that's the same with Carl Spierga in a lot of ways too. He has spent more time in that clubhouse over the last 11 years than Terry Francona has, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, and you think you just see him at random events. So, yeah, that guy's always around. Surprised they haven't asked him to be an honorary coach. All right. More of the conversation on the next manager with Zach here in just a moment. But first, we're going to talk about Jace Case. I know Jeff has talked multiple times in the show about how much he loves his Jace Case as somebody with – a lot of allergies and needs a lot of uh, medications on hand. You could take control of your health. You know, don't have to be unprepared. You can empower yourself to have everything on hand you need to take care of most things while you're waiting on taking or getting a doctor's appointment. So uh, Jace case is simple. You go online, you fill out a form, you get a prescription and medications are sent to your door. Gives you peace of mind. So you're not hoping you have access to medication or doctor's appointment in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication you need in hand and you'll get $20 off life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using our code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. And definitely keep listening to the playoffs on your Sirius XM app as things get interesting between the Rangers and the Orioles. Who knows what time you're listening to this? The Rangers and the Orioles series could be over the way things are going. 
it's funny you mentioned the show 24 to remind you of how much are you hoping that the new manager doesn't ask you about movies you haven't seen? I feel like you're always talking about Tito wants to uh, ask your, your opinion on this. And you're like, I'm just hoping he doesn't ask me about, about this movie. So how much are you hoping the next manager doesn't want to rely on uh, your catalog of movies you have or haven't seen? Yeah, I've never seen... <laughs> 99.99999% of the movies that everyone else has seen. Um, there was, there was like 2019 somehow that year, late in that year, I became his go-to guy to, you know, that TV show, you know, that movie that this person was in, I'm, you, you want, you don't want to just shut down the conversation right away. So you pretend or you play along. And I do have a knack for knowing actors in certain movies that I've never seen. So I would, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that one with uh, Clint Eastwood. Sure. Um, the the worst part about that was that then the pandemic hits. And the next year, then he's like, all he's doing is watching movies <laughs> and TV shows. And he's he's running them by me. And I remember he was telling me to watch Money Heist over and over again. Said it was the best show he's ever seen. And, and you know, you feel an obligation to adhere to that so that you have conversation starter um that is just the worst i don't i don't have the attention span to sit through a two and a half hour three hour movies so um yeah I, hopefully the next person has seen how i met your mother and friends and seinfeld and that's it the office yeah watch the office they can quote the office i think you'll you'll build a good relationship um speaking of that you have mentioned you kind of feel like that the organization is going to go outside uh, for this managerial hire. And I'm kind of curious why you think that is, because this is an organization that, you know, they lost um, Derek Falvey in Minnesota. They promoted from within. They lost Carter Hawkins, the White Sox, or the, the Cubs. They promoted from within. So it feels like in the front office, they've always been very comfortable just promoting the next man up. And, you know, that's probably not a good thing all the time. And you want a better outside voice on certain things, and maybe in the dugout that helps. But why do you feel like this will be different than – you know, how they handle front office stuff. Who would be the next man up? Well, you got DeMarlo Hale, who's the same age as, as Terry Francona. I don't think Mike Sarbaugh is a whole lot younger, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it, it's hard to say who the next man up would be, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a way to go outside the organization to find someone younger, to find someone whose energy they like, that they feel like matches. You know, it, it's, they love saying it's going to be a partnership, right? They're looking for a partnership. They said it when they were looking for a new minority owner. They said it, you know, that that's how they classified their relationship with Terry Francona, speaking about Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff here. And that's what they want in a new manager. And I think there's a way to find someone who fits into the fabric of the organization, even if they haven't been here all of the last 11 years. And so, you know, when you look at the names, I, I think we're at the tip of the iceberg with the names that are out there so far. Um, but you're going to hear more. And I think it's just look at anyone who's ever been connected to this organization in the last 20 years. Cause that's how Terry Francona got here in the first place. Like they, they do have a knack for like, if you have crossed paths with the guardians, like it sticks with you for some reason. 
Um, like I will, it, I won't be able to shake seeing, I think it was like the end of the 22 season. Shelly Duncan was in the White Sox organization and he and Chris Antonetti talked on the field for five minutes for a day. So when I see that Shelly Duncan is interviewing for the Guardians manager job, and I don't know that that's happening, who knows? Um, it won't be a surprise because that's what ha- like if you're in this organization, you have that connection, and that doesn't go away. Um, so I, you know, they're not going. That doesn't mean they're going to interview Brett Myers, but <laughs> you know, they could interview Aaron Boone if Aaron Boone were to get fired. Uh, so I just, I think, for what they're looking for. Because I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of talking heads be like, why don't they just make DeMarlo Hale the manager? Don't you just want to continue a good thing with Tito? And it's like, you want to continue the you can't replace like there's one Terry Francona. DeMarlo Hale is not Terry Francona. So you want to continue the culture. You want to continue the tenets that he established in the organization. But you don't need Terry Francona's right hand man to do that. Like those tenants are there. The pitching factory, which is all about collaboration between departments. Like Terry Francona helped spearhead that. That's not going away just because he's not here. So you can hire someone externally who has belief that you align with and maybe comes from the Francona tree, maybe has ties to the organization, but is not Terry Francona, is not Mike Sarbaugh, is not DeMarlo Hale. And it can work and you can build that partnership that you're looking for. I I just, you know, the big thing is like the reason it's 45 names is because again, like they haven't done this in so long. And I think you can learn a lot during the interview process and you can learn more importantly, what you don't want. And so by having a huge list and being able to narrow it down, like you're able to identify who might fit and who won't. And to me, it's, it's almost a numbers game. It's like internally, like there might be some like long shot candidates that people aren't really talking about. Well, you guys probably are because you guys know it, the ins and outs of this organization, like no other, but you know, I, I I don't know. To me, it's like those people just might not be ready for this at this point. Um, And maybe you see them on the coaching staff and not in the manager role, but on the major league coaching staff, like I think it's only really a couple of candidates and so I think the odds are they probably go external. I feel like everyone's going to listen to you describing about the connections and continuing the good thing without having to make it make it someone who's already here. And they're going to draw a straight line to Kevin Cash. And I, I keep saying I don't know how realistic that is. I know there's some words out there, but I feel like everyone's going to draw the line and, and hear you say that. And they're going to think Kevin Cash immediately. But I question whether or not why Tampa Bay would let Kevin Cash go to an AL contender and why he would actually leave Tampa Bay for Cleveland, because let's face it right now for right now, Tampa Bay is probably a better fit and better situation going forward right now than Cleveland is. And uh, it might cost you another junior Caminero to get Kevin cash here in the first place. Yeah, doesn't Tampa owe Cleveland Kevin cash. Yeah. I, that has more to do with Tampa than with, than with Cleveland. I'm sure if he was available that, Cleveland and every other team with an opening and maybe even some that don't have an opening would be interested. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's the type of person. Like I, I'm really curious if Francona would have stepped down last year. Like I 
wouldn't have surprised me if Matt Quicharo would have been the guy. Um, so I think anyone with ties to the organization is fair game because those in the organization know if that can be a partnership. A lot more questions about that for sure. We're not done quite yet, so stick with us and stick with Zach here on Lockdown Guardians. Well, I don't think that FanDuel is going to let you bet on who the next Guardians manager is. Maybe they will. Maybe you can check that out. Uh, October baseball is back, though, that's for sure, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your account, and you can get on the action from first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who's going to win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get the win, predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Set up to the plate in the postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Zach, I would ask you to make your bet on the next manager, but I feel like that's just such a hard thing to do right now. Um, you pointed out the partnership thing, too. And I think that's an interesting thing to bring up because people always question the discourse, wherever you look, wherever fans are are talking, whether it's on the Selby's Godcast Discord or wherever, they're always asking how much of this was, was Terry Francona's doing, whether it's a lineup thing or a player in a roster, and how much of it's the front office and... I kind of want to, I, I always feel like, yes, it's a partnership. They come to these decisions together. That's the way it's been portrayed for the most part. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you agree on everything. It just, you agree that you can make decisions together or you can have discussions together without someone being wrong or someone being right. You just reach the final destination together. And it's not necessarily a power struggle because I feel like at times people perceive the whole situation as a power struggle. And I think no matter what happens, no matter who the manager is, it's going to be the same message. Like you said, it's going to be, we are private decisions together and all the stuff in the playoffs that's going on, pulling a man, uh, a pitcher after four innings and everyone's like, well, they're taking decisions away from the manager. And maybe that stuff's on the manager. Maybe it's not, but I feel like just a lot of stuff, the way things are going today, a manager might be managing a game, but there is collaboration from the front office and you're not going to get away with that no matter what you do. So that has to factor in. To whoever you hire, you have to believe it's a partnership and you arrive at the right decision together, no matter if it's analytics or a player situation. You have to arrive at the, at the decision together as a cohesive front, no matter what you say behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I've said this a lot, uh, that Francona, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff, they'd meet in the manager's office after every game and – recap it, go over what was on their plate for the next day, et cetera. And, and like, sometimes they would have disagreements. Sometimes they get heated. Um, but I had never seen that. Like I, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember Mark Shapiro in many acts as office after games, like putting their heads together to come up with the best plan of action on roster moves that would keep their pitching intact for the next week. Um, so I, I, yeah, the thing is like, I don't know, you know, they knew immediately because Terry Francona filed to them a 17 page manifesto outlining all of his beliefs as a manager, like the, after the first phone call, 
um, when he expressed interest in the job 11 years ago. So they knew that he was all in on a partnership like that. It's going to be interesting to see like that's I'm sure that that's the framework that they're looking for. And, um, you know, how many of these candidates are going to say, yeah, I'm all about that because it's what they know that that's what the front office wants to hear and how many candidates actually mean it. Um, I don't know. You know, I, everyone's different. And again, I don't know. I can't imagine like Jim Leland in his tidy whities smoking three packs a day with his feet up on the desk, like talking to some 40 year old number cruncher and being able to come up with a great solution on how to arrange the batting order. Right. Like I, it's hard. Like Francona, give him credit. Like he was certainly not infallible, but like he was open-minded enough to take in people's opinions who you probably wouldn't have in, or a lot of other managers wouldn't have 20 years ago. So I think the next manager is going to be someone who's open-minded like that. Someone who is willing to collaborate and maybe has to put their ego aside and, and not always have the final decision. So it's probably a, a stupid question or comment, but how important is it for them to get this right? This manager thing, because you've got this young rotation and, I kind of wonder, like, okay, does it make sense to change a pitching coach when you've got all these rookies and you've got Shane Bieber, or maybe he pitches here next year, maybe he doesn't. The only pitching coach he's ever worked with is is Carl Willis. And you've got Jose Ramirez, you know, who's really important to this franchise. And there's <laughs> not, you know, at some point, Jose Ramirez's best seasons are going to be behind him. They may already be behind him, truthfully. Like, he didn't have the best end of the season, and who knows what was going on there. But you may not get MVP Jose again and you're trying to you know keep these three rookies as the pillars of the pitching staff and bring along more and you've got Tristan McKenzie who knows but how important is this for them to absolutely nail the first time because I know we hate talking about windows you guys hate talking about windows but your time with Shane Bieber might be over we don't know your time with Jose Ramirez is is long but the best days of Jose Ramirez who knows how long those are left and you've got these rookie pitchers like how important is it for them to get this right considering the way the roster looks at, at, you know, in the immediate future. So you're alluding to it, but like, what are your expectations right now for 2024? They have to win it. I mean, the division's winnable, right? Like the Royals are perpetually rebuilding. The twins are in the playoffs. They might be better than most people gave them credit for. The White Sox have been a, a disaster since they decided to rehire Tony LaRue. So the Tigers are, are coming and they showed us the Tigers are coming. So the division is still winnable. I feel like this is an attractive job and maybe you feel differently. Maybe it's not as an attractive job as people think, but yeah, the expectation in 2024, as long as you've got Jose and as long as you've got these pitchers, the, the expectation should be to go out and win the division. So that's why this is so weird. And that's why I think to your original question, it's, it's, this is an enormous decision and a critical off season. When they hired Manny Acta, you know, Eric Wedge left after 09. They were in like the depths of just, just ineptitude, right? Like they had, had traded Sabathia in 08. They traded Lee and Victor in 09. And there was like no way out. Like I, what was, Manny Acta was signing up for another managerial job where it was good luck surviving this. 
And honestly, that's how a lot of them are. You get hired to get fired eventually. And when Terry Francona arrived, they had lost 94 games and it was a little bit of talent, but like what evidence did you have that they were ready to win? You know, they, they lost 90 games, I think three of the previous four years. And the one they didn't was 2011 when they got off to a fluky 30 and 15 start. Ezekiel Carrera is dropping down squeeze bunts to win games. And they end up that season, what, about 500, I think 80 and 82. So, like, there was not a lot of evidence that that and the, the farm system was not good. Like, it was just, it wasn't a really appealing job. I think that's why they were so caught off guard that Francona was so interested. So, this is different. And the other two, like, you could reset. And maybe the manager could help shape the vision and figure out who belongs and who doesn't and what path to take back to contention. The path's already there. You've got the pitching. You know the lineup needs some reinforcements, but there's also help on the way on that front. You've got your franchise player locked in place. You've got young players with plenty of uh, control. So it is an attractive job. Um, cause this is not some painful rebuild that a lot of like, that's why there are job openings is because the winning stopped and you've got to reset and figure something out. This isn't that, and it isn't a, one of the worst divisions in baseball, if not the worst. So it's, you can't, and this is what's weird about it is like the Francona era. There was never, there was never a question on who was going to be the manager the next season, but now you hire someone and what if it's just wrong? What if it doesn't fit? What if it doesn't work? You have to give it time, but how much time do you give it? Because this is a roster that should be positioned to contend. So it's just, it's a weird spot and I, I'm struggling to find parallels to it. Um, I, nothing in my lifetime, because even like the nineties when they dismissed Hargrove, well, you know, that was, that team was, ready to win and still ready to win. And it was, it wasn't on the way up. It was there. Um, so this is, this is a team that's young and should be on the way up. So I, I don't, I don't know what type of manager fits that best. You know, if you want someone young to kind of grow with them, but do you want the manager to have growing pains? If the team can also win, it's very weird. And you're right. Like you also want to make sure you're building the best coaching staff. And if you have a young manager, then does it make more sense to keep Carl Willis and Mike Sarbon, Marlo Hale? And, you know, do you need, are you satisfied with the hitting coaching? And I, there's, there's just, there's a lot of questions and it's the manager is step one, certainly. And that's the most important. And they got to get that right. Um, but who they assemble around him, I think is critical too. Yeah. It seemed like an odd question because obviously it's important, but you don't really find many managerial opens with a team that's ready to win next year. Cause like you said, the winning stop. So that makes this a very unique opportunity. I, I don't know what to expect of it. I'm sure it'll take some time before we hear more about it. Um, if you listen to the Selby's Godcast, you will definitely hear more of Zach's insights, uh, fun podcast with obviously new partner, TJ Zuppi too. Don't want to forget TJ does a fantastic job. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to their YouTube too. Don't just go to, you know, download uh, the podcast audio, go to their YouTube, subscribe there. If you're not, if you're subscribed here, you should be subscribed there and you should 
uh, join their Patreon. Like I said, it's cheaper than the beer Zach will buy you if you review the podcast. I'm not trying to put you out of money, but hey, the, the, the podcast, the Patreon is much cheaper than a beer these days. So that is uh, an opportunity I would definitely take advantage of if I were you because the offseason might be kind of long. But uh, podcasts like the Selvius Godcast and Zach's Writing the Athletic are going to make it a lot more interesting and a lot shorter time to opening day. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time here to talk about the Franconi years and what might be ahead. Well, I appreciate you having me. And, you know, it's, it's great that we can coexist in this space because it's, you guys bring daily content and that's needed, especially in these cold days of the off season, which it's nice that we'll actually have some things to talk about with, with this coaching search. And uh, yeah, so I'm just, I, I apologize that I don't have a cat on my shoulder hanging out on my, in my background, because I feel like that would have been appropriate with Jeff out. Well, if somebody out there listens who has good Photoshop skills, you can Photoshop a cat on Zach, and or you can find Jeff's old cat and find the gift that someone made of him getting swatted. But don't do that to Zach, because we want Zach to come back and share his insights with us again. So head on over to Selby's Godcast to hear more of those, and make sure you come back tomorrow. Jeff will be back, and we'll see if we can get one of his cats on the show. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to Lockdown Guardians, and go, go, Guardians, go.